To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, flee the evil desires of youth, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. It wasn't my wisest moment, I will admit. It was a Thursday morning, and I had just come back from classes. I was in college in Tennessee, uh, playing basketball for Johnson University over there, and um, I came back from class, and my roommate and my buddies from the hallway said, hey, Brian, we're really excited we signed you up for something. I said, what? okay, what did, you, what did you sign me up for? They said, tough man fighting contest tomorrow night <laughs> on the border of Tennessee and Kentucky. And I was like, sounds like a fantastic idea. Let's do this. So I woke up Friday morning, watched all the Rocky films throughout the day, preparing myself for that evening. And we drove up to the border of Tennessee and Kentucky, and that is everything you imagine it to be, my friends, okay? <laughs> we got to this high school gym, and I remember walking into the locker room, and, and they were having everybody uh, get weighed and get put in weight categories. And I thought to myself, I am not the largest man here. In fact, as I weighed in, what I found out was I was the third smallest guy in the heavyweight division. And so one by one, the fight started that night. They had a makeshift ring in the middle of this gymnasium, bunch, bunch of rednecks drinking PBR, everything you imagine, you guys, okay? <laughs> a lot of mullets, a lot of mullets, all right? And, and so I, I'm sitting there with my buddies, front row, we're getting ready, and fight after fight. I'm, no kidding. A couple of fights before my fight, the announcer goes, now we have a heavyweight fight. There's over 600 pounds of man in the ring. And I'm like, I'm about to fight one of those like, guys and not be part of that equation as much as the other guy is uh, soon. So a couple, couple more fights later, they say, hey, it's, you're about to be the next fight. And so I go over to the corner, get my headgear on, mouthpiece in, ready to go. And I step into the ring and I'm telling you, full, full black mullet, all right? This dude is like looking at me a little crazy, like I'm not sure what's going on. And, and I'm, I'm sure he was like out having a Marby Red right before we got into the ring together and he is ready to fight me, a very, very large man. And I think this, this might end poorly. But I had, sort of a, I had sort of a secret thing I knew, which was I used to box 
So my dad put me in boxing when I was younger. I was in golden gloves for quite, quite a few years. And so I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'll just outbox this guy because I'm betting he's gonna throw some haymakers and I can like box him. And so sure enough, he comes out and he is swinging and I'm dodging and ducking and weaving and I'm landing some shots and I'm just really trying to avoid getting hit, okay? <laughs> and I do a pretty good job of it. In fact, in the first round, I'm thinking, I, I did pretty good there. And I, I get back to my corner and my buddies are all sitting front row and they're like, you beat him, good job, you're up one round. And so they're yelling at me, cheering me on. And I'm like, all right, I got this. So I get in round two and I start boxing him and I don't know what happened. But about the middle of the round, like he caught me. And I thought to myself, this is where it all went bad. I thought to myself, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> so then all the thoughts of boxing went out of my head and I just started throwing haymakers with this guy. And we're hitting each other, boom. And I can hear the crowd yelling and I hit him and then boom, he hits me and I can hear the crowd yelling and everything's getting fuzzier and fuzzier. And finally the bell rings and I'm like, okay, that was awesome. And I'm like, where's my corner? Where's my corner? And I get back to my corner and I sit down and my ring guy, who honestly, he was probably a high school kid. He, like, he had no idea why he was there. He's, you know, he just got a job for 15 bucks just to sit there and talk to guys like he acted like he was a manager. And I'm sitting there in the corner. And he's like, hey, I, I think you beat him. I think he's done. I don't think he's coming out for the next round. I'm like, good, because I can't see a thing. <laughs> and the ref comes over to my side after a while, talking over there. He says, hey, he's doing okay. He thinks he can go one more round. What about you? You think he can go one more round? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And he goes, okay, how about you just stand up, walk out to me? And so I stand up, and that's the last thing I remember. <laughs> I woke up, and I was strapped to a board, and I had this neck brace around me. I didn't know where I was. And I, there's all these people around me, and I'm like, I have to vomit. I have to. And they're like, excuse me. I'm like, I have to puke right now. I know there's a lot of detail, you guys. Is, I know you weren't expecting this on Sunday morning. I get it. Okay. They're rolling me over, and I'm like, like spewing, and there's people filming it, and they're like, yeah, YouTube was like a new thing, and this is going to go viral, and it's going to be amazing. Anyway, they get me on the gurney, they get me the ambulance, uh, I'm like giving everybody the thumbs up, like, I'm going to make it, did it for you guys, right? And, and they wheel me down to the hospital, and they scan my cat, and, um, and they, they tell me, hey, you've got a second degree a concussion and a little bit of uh, bleeding on the brain. And I'm like, that's bad. She's like, the nurse said, we see it all the time in car accidents, in her most motherly tone. Um, can I ask you a question? What's worth fighting for? What's worth fighting for? That, my friends, is a story of college foolery. That is not a story about something worth fighting for. But I want to ask you, What's worth fighting for? As we're in this series called Strong, Fighting the Good Fight, what is it that is actually worth fighting for in this life? I think we actually come to a series like this and we hear those words, strong fight, the good fight, and we may have a lot of thoughts already in our head about what fights we should pick, what things we should take a stand on. And I wanna ask the question, what should we actually take a stand on? What, what, what is like a hill worth dying on? And I think we can look at this text and learn a little bit more about 
that, but before that, I want to talk about somebody who took a, took a stand. So it's about the 1500s, and there was this young German monk, and he was studying in particular the book of Romans intensely. He'd given his whole life to learning about God and learning the ways of God. He, he knew how to read Latin, the, and, and he knew how to decipher through the scriptures. And as he read the scriptures, some things compelled him. And he looked around at the church that he was serving, and he, and he thought, man, there's some things that just don't seem to line up with scripture. They don't seem to line up with Jesus. So I have some questions around that. His name was Martin Luther. Now, Martin Luther, in his late 30s, early 40s, he, he decided he was going to do something about that. So he said, I, I'm going to send a letter to the archbishop in the area, and I'm going I'm to pose 95 theses, things that I want to discuss in a scholarly manner around questions that I might have. What he didn't know is he was, he was picking a fight. He didn't really know that. In fact, uh, I read some history on this and, and he sent the letter and then, and then the famous part is that he, he, he uh, put these 95 theses on the Wittenberg door uh, to proclaim that he would like to have a discussion around this. But what he was, he was talking about was indulgences. This idea that you could actually pay um, so that you wouldn't go to hell. You could pay to atone for your sins. You go into confession, and then the priest would say, okay, here are, here's the indulgences, you need to pay them. Or you could actually pay indulgences uh, based upon uh, somebody else who, else who had already died. Right? It, was like, it was like a really crummy fire insurance plan, okay? Does that make sense? Some of you will be like, I get that joke tomorrow. Okay, anyway, so, and so he said, hey, this doesn't sound... This doesn't sound like Jesus. This doesn't smell like Jesus. Like, this doesn't seem like a Jesus thing. It, it doesn't seem like, like all the stuff that I'm studying in Romans about faith alone and scripture alone and grace alone and Christ alone. It, it seems like it's, it's Jesus plus and faith plus and grace plus. And so he engaged in this fight, which ultimately led him to being put in front of a council. And they said, hey, you need to renounce these things. You need to renounce these things because he was questioning the power. He was questioning things that were extra scriptural, added to scripture. And they said, no, 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 you don't want to mess with our power scheme here. You need to renounce that. And famously in that meeting, he stood in front of the council and he said to them, here I stand. I can do no other. Here I stand. I can do no other. He took a stand for the gospel, for the simple gospel. And it sparked, it sparked what we now know uh, as the church that we uh, live in these days. Incredible reformer. Incredible man who took a stand. What's worth fighting for? 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 18. 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 18. Paul talking to Timothy. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace, 
This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phagellius and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the house of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me I was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to the good news of you and how we might live that out better this week. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Here's the big idea this morning. Because of Jesus, we fight for the gospel and we fight for each other. I want you to say this with me if you're online, type it it out on the chat. Because of Jesus, say it with me, come on. Because of Jesus, we fight for the gospel and we fight for each other. That's what we're gonna talk about this morning as we break up this small little passage from Paul to Timothy. We wanna understand that because of Jesus, that's what we do. We fight for the gospel and we fight for each other. So let's begin with this. Because of Jesus, One of Luther's stances was Christ alone. In Christ alone. Maybe you've heard that song. Maybe you've sung along in that song. In Christ alone, my hope is found. One of his stances was that that scripture was all about Jesus. That everything pointed to Jesus. That it wasn't Jesus plus other things, but that it was in Christ alone that our faith was sure. Paul says it this way. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Listen to those words. Before the beginning of time. I, I was this weird little church brat when I was younger. My, my dad was a pastor. My mom was a pastor. And I'm a pastor. We just don't take Sundays off in the Van Epps house. That's how it works, okay? And so I grew up sitting in these things called pews, right? Hard and wooden. And we, we sat in them. And they actually help you pay attention. That's the, Honestly, if you've ever been like, I grew up in a pew and it was really uncomfortable. That's because sometimes you all fall asleep in these fancy little chairs over here, right? Okay, right? At home, you're like already out. Okay, get it. I get it. I get it. 
So I sit in the pew and I, and I start daydreaming because I'm a bit of a daydreamer about, about things of God and, and, and things that maybe the pastor was talking about. One of the things I used to think about was eternity. And as a third grader, second, third grader who used to think about these things, it used to make my mind hurt. You ever have something like that? Like makes your mind hurt? You think about, okay, wait, wait. So wait a minute, if I believe in Jesus, I get to live with him for, like, what is forever? What does that mean? Like everything I know has a beginning and an end. Like, isn't there another, like, what's the thing after the thing? It's like, Jesus, it hurts my brain, right? There's a statement in here just like that. Before the beginning of time, grace was bestowed upon you. That's what Paul is telling to Timothy. He said, and we we were given grace Before the beginning of time. Do you know that God loved you and knew you before the beginning of time? Like, let that hurt your brain a little bit, okay? Like, let let it sink in a little bit. Before the beginning of time, grace was bestowed upon you. Grace was bestowed upon me. Say it this way. Far before you had God in mind, he had you in mind. Far before you had God in mind, he had you in mind. His grace was bestowed upon you before the beginning of time. And it's not just that great. It's not just that great. It's not just the beginning of time. It's not just this ethereal God who's somewhere up in these clouds. No, 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 it gets better because Paul says, which is fully revealed in Jesus Christ. That Jesus comes about 2,000 years ago, not God far away from us, as Logan taught us a couple weeks ago, but God with us, comes to be with us, God incarnate in the flesh, and dwells among us, living a perfect life, an exemplary life. The life that you could never live, but always wanted to live, he lived that life. The life that you, you're like, if I'm on my best day, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, he lived that every day. Every single day he lived that life. Incredible teachings, incredible miracles. Shared about the kingdom of God and its expansive nature. He invited people in to follow the ways of him, to follow his kingdom, a kingdom unlike any other kingdom. And then he was fully revealed as he took upon the sin of us all. Not just taking upon the flesh of us in human form, but he actually gave himself up on the cross on behalf of our sins. And he didn't just stay in the grave after that. He just died and stayed in the grave. He rose from the grave on the first day of the week. Do you know why we celebrate and gather as a church on Sundays? Because that hasn't always been the history on the church gathering. Do you know why? Because on the first day of the week, Christ rose from the grave. That's why we get together. We don't actually know when Easter was. That's just like fun little fact. You're like, Easter changes every year and sometime around April. You're like, yeah, we don't actually know, but we do know he rose on the first day of the week, which is why we gather together as God's people so that we may celebrate a resurrected savior who ascended into heaven, who is seated at the right hand of God the Father and is preparing to come back someday. He's preparing to come back someday and we live in that great tension that he is coming back someday. We live in that anticipation. We live in that angst. We live in that excitement and passion that we might tell others about him 
so that they may also be with us in glory with him someday. And this, this is what Paul's getting at. Paul's saying before the beginning of time, Timothy, he bestowed grace upon you. And not only that, he revealed himself to you fully in Christ Jesus because of Jesus because of the bedrock of Jesus, because of the foundation of Jesus, because Jesus alone, Christ alone, because of that, because of that, there's some things that we get to engage in. There's some things we should be fighting for. So because of Jesus, one, we fight for the gospel. We fight for the gospel. Here's how Paul says it. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Remember, Paul's in prison right now. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul is confident in who Jesus is. Because of Jesus, he gets to do some things. He gets to fight for the gospel. There's three things I want to help pay attention to here. One, he talks about being a herald. He talks about being a herald. When we fight for the gospel, what does it mean to be a herald? It's kind of an antiquated word, right? We don't really talk about people being heralds anymore. I mean, I get these flashbacks to like the, the movie slash musical Newsies, which and then I'm tempted to like tap dance. No, anyway, if some of you get that. That's just for you. Okay. And so like it's an old Christian Bale movie and then he was Batman. It's a different thing. Anyway, anyway stay with me. Okay. But in Newsies, there was these newspaper kids and they would get on the corners and go extra, extra, read all about it. They were heralds. They would herald the good news. They would proclaim the good news. There was news to share, so they would herald that news. This is what Paul says. He says, I'm a herald to the gospel. This is how I fight for the gospel. I proclaim the gospel. I share the gospel. Paul's whole ministry was talking about Jesus. It's just all about talking about Jesus. He'd get thrown in prison, and he'd be like, hey, guard, come here. Got something to talk to you about. His name's Jesus, right? He's like kind of that annoying guy. But you're like, hey, have you found Jesus? And you're like, I didn't know he was lost. Uh, anyway, so like, he's, he's the guy that's always talking about Jesus. Every single conversation that he has, it keeps bringing back people to Jesus. Why? Because he's a herald. Like, this is what he's, like, he's like, I cannot not share this good news of Jesus. I'm a herald of the gospel. I'm going to fight for that to herald the gospel. That's why he's in prison. Honestly, part of why he's in prison, he was talking about Jesus too much. And that was a threat to the Roman Empire and it was a threat to his old friends, the religious leaders, just like Jesus. So he's a herald. He is also an apostle. Apostle means sent one. Now he's sent in a special way. Those who had interactions, face-to-face interactions with Jesus were, were sent ones in a special way. But we are also sent ones, and we can embrace this as well, because what it means to fight for the gospel is to be those who see ourselves as sent. Paul saw himself on mission. You go to the back of one of your Bibles, you got one of those paper Bibles still, there's all these missionary journeys of Paul. Why? Because he saw himself on mission. He was a sent one. God sent him to the Gentiles. 
He said, hey, I want you to open up the good news of Jesus to all of the Gentiles. And that's part of why he's in chains as well. It's part of why he's suffering as well. Because what he saw himself was, was someone who was sent sent out into communities, sent out into new places, sent to plant churches, sent to encourage young pastors. He was a sent one. And then last he says, so herald, apostle, and then he says, I was a teacher. I'm a teacher of the gospel. Think about the best teachers you've had. Didn't they engage your questions? Didn't they help you see things in a new way? Weren't they patient with you? Like prodding you along so that you might have these moments where the lights went on for you. And then think about some of the worst teachers you've ever had who just like, they just told you everything and they didn't, you, didn't, you don't get an opinion. It's like, the, it's like what, I say this sometimes. Like, dad, why are we doing that? Because daddy says so. That's not very good teaching. I'm gonna be honest with you guys, okay? It's not very good teaching. He's a teacher, Paul has this incredible moment where he's up in this place called Mars Hill. And what they did is they would sit on these hilltops and they would have these conversations among the philosophers and the thinkers of that day. And Paul sits up on on top of this place called Mars Hill and, and he has this conversation with a bunch of these philosophers and thinkers. And he says, hey, I wandered around your cities and I saw all these, these gods, like a god to this and a god to that and a god to this. And, but then I noticed that there was one god that, and it didn't have a name on it this unknown God. And I'd like to tell you about this unknown God, because I I know who that unknown God is. And he's actually the God of all the other gods. He's a great teacher. Everyone is immediately caught by Paul. All of the philosophers, they want, they want, they want to know more. They've never heard this teaching before. Tell us, tell us more. We want to, we want to engage with that. We want to, we want to push back on that. We have questions about that. Paul saw himself as a teacher of the gospel, that he would nurture and help people who didn't understand, understand. Notice the difference. He didn't live as a guy who always wanted to be right. It's important, Christian. I'm gonna get to it in a little bit, okay? I'm gonna lean on you a little bit. He saw it as an opportunity to teach, to help people learn. Okay, so he's... He's a herald, he's an apostle, and he's a teacher. Why is that important? Here's why that, that's important. Because when we fight for the gospel, we should embody that as well. Because of Jesus, we should embody that as well. We should see ourselves as proclaimers of Jesus. Not adding more or less to the gospel, but proclaiming the fullness of Jesus proclaiming the fullness of his death, resurrection, ascension, and that he's coming back and you're invited to the party. We proclaim that. We proclaim that in our families, to our kids. Like, it's not base camp's job to disciple your kid. It's your job. It's your job. It's your responsibility. Be a herald to your kid. Talk to your kid about Jesus. Right? Be a herald within your workplace. Be the annoying guy who talks about Jesus a lot. Right? Be a herald in your community, in your neighborhood. Some of us, I'll start with me. I always like starting with me because I'm like the same boat as you guys. It's always sinking. It's okay, you know. There are neighbors I should apologize to because I haven't shared Jesus with them. 
Do you, do you have neighbors like that? You haven't shared Jesus with them? Like we should all apologize to them. We have the good news of great joy for all the people and we haven't shared that with them. Do we love them? We should love them better. I should love them better. I think you should too. So we should, we should herald the gospel, right? We, we should be seen as sent ones. It's not an accident you're in the job you're in. Not an accident you're in the family. In. Not an accident you're in the neighborhood you're in. Not, not an accident that you have the spheres of influence that you have. It's not an accident. Paul saw himself on mission and you should see yourself on mission as well. That you're sent to that situation. Because listen, nobody else is gonna bring light to it if you don't bring light to it, right? Like, like you're, you're so frustrated because it's so dark in this world. Well, guess what? You're, you're light. You're connected to the light and through you should also illuminate the rest of the world, right? The light of Jesus should shine through you. And so you're sent to these areas. You're sent to these people. You're sent to the people in your life. And, th and then you're sent to teach. Like help them understand. In some ways, the gospel is super easy. And in other ways, it's really, really challenging, you guys. Right? Like we believe in a guy who died on a cross and then three days later was like, ha, I'm back to life right? It's like, you know, there's not that story out there. That's our story. Nobody else got that story. That's ours. Okay. So it's hard to understand. Be patient. Be a good teacher. When people don't immediately accept the gospel, don't write them off. Don't be patient with them. Be persistent with them. Help them to understand, engage their questions, engage their conversation. Don't be afraid of it. Like, listen, have a stronger faith than that. You're like, I don't know, that one question they might ask might just turn me into somebody who follows the devil. Like, come on, seriously. Your faith is stronger than that. Walk it through with them. You'll probably learn something too. So we fight for the gospel by sharing it, by being sent ones, by instructing, right? And we fight for Jesus' name to be proclaimed. Okay, because of Jesus, we fight for the gospel and, and we fight for each other. And we fight for each other. Guess what it doesn't say? We fight with each other. It says we fight for each other. Let's hear from Paul again. What you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching. So Paul's not advocating for shoddy theology. Okay, I'm a theology nerd, undergrad in theology, graduate work in theology. I love theology. So he's saying, keep a pattern of sound teaching, sound theology with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. So, so here's what Paul is advocating. He's advocating for Timothy to fight with, not, not against him, but with, with him. In other words, for him. Like in the same way that Paul is fighting, he's saying, Timothy, I want you to fight in the same way as, well, don't fight against me, fight for me, fight with me. For the gospel, for the good news of Jesus. And I don't know, I'm not convinced that this is what we're known for, Christians. Okay? If you're a non-Christian in the room, you're not following Jesus so glad you're here. So glad you're online, right? Just listen in, okay? Because this is me being really honest and a little bit blunt, right? Christians, we got to do a better job at this. 
We're terrible at this. I want you to think about, if you're a non-Christian and you see churches all over the place that just pick fights with each other all the time, do you want to be part of that community? Like, seriously, is that, the part, is that the community you want to be part of? Or are you like, I'm going to go to the gym because like, I just got to sign up for the class and go to the class and it sounds great, you know? Like, I'm probably picking the gym over here. We have got to stop fighting against each other and we've got to start fighting for each other, Christians. Let me give you some, some tangible examples of that. This is going to poke a little bit because here's what I'm suggesting. The older I get the more I realize that humility is the key. Philippians 1, Jesus, Philippians 2, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to grasp, and instead he humbled himself and made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant, he became obedient to even death, death on a cross. So, so if we want to smell like Jesus, if we want to be like Jesus, here's what I'm suggesting. We need to... Stop making it about other things than Jesus. I'll give you one example, um, maybe two. Worship music. Okay? Here, here's a little secret. The music this morning wasn't for you. It wasn't. The music this morning wasn't for you. And yet churches separate over this kind of stuff all the time. Churches talk poorly about each other all the time over drums, <laughs> over guitars, over organs, right? Is this edifying to the body? I, so the first church I worked in, I was a youth pastor and um, I led worship one Sunday and, and, and I, I did have a guitar and it was a little bit of a more traditional church. And so I get to the end of worship service and get out into the worship lobby and, and uh, sanctuary hall, whatever we called it there. And, and so this, this big guy comes and, and comes toward me and I'm like, oh, he's probably gonna tell me how great it was. And, and he comes over to me and he goes, I want you to know that that worship had absolutely nothing in it for me this morning. And I was like, good, it wasn't about you. And I'm all my smart aleck, young 20-something I could muster, right? And I was so mad, you guys, okay? So the dude rolls home, and I am just flustered, and I call my wife, and I'm like, baby, I'm going to Ray's house. I'm going to his house. She's like, that's a bad idea. I'm like, I don't care, I'm going. So I roll into Ray's house, knock on the door, Ray's 80-something-year-old guy. <laughs> I roll into Ray's house. His wife and him are sitting there. I go, Ray, I want to talk to you outside, okay? I wasn't going to like, beat him up or anything. By the way, don't be worried about Ray. Ray was 6'11". His son played in the NBA, okay? Ray can hold his own even at 80, all right? So I'll never forget. I'm like standing there like, Ray! You listen to me, right? And, and here's what I said. I said, I need better from you. I need better from you. You're an elder in this church. Like, you're, you're, you have 80 years of life to impart to me. I can learn things from you that I can't learn from anybody else. You've got to do better than that for me. 
You've got to do better than that for this church. I need you, even if you don't need me. And Ray got all teared up. And I'm telling you, Ray and I became the best of friends. Like I still have this gift from Ray. He used to take these uh, glass boxes and he'd drill a hole in them. He'd shove all these Christmas lights in them. And one year he'd be like, hey, I made you one of the Christmas light boxes. It's like a big, big deal. Even after we moved away, Ray would call me and just check on me from time to time. Why? Because we learned to fight for each other, not with each other, not against each other. I could give you a whole list of things that people add to the gospel. And if I did, some of you would send me an email, which would prove my point. <laughs> so, right? We have got to practice generosity with one another. Genuine love and care and grace for one another. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have an opinion. Listen, you, you listen to me enough. I got opinions as long as the day is, okay? But do we have generosity in those? Are we curious about why other people think the way they think as a fellow follower of Jesus? And can we say there, are, there is common ground? So, so, and I'll clarify, okay? I know I'm going over time. I don't care. Okay, listen. I know some of you are like in your head probably going, yeah, but there's some things. There are totally some things, you guys. There's totally some things. Like if... if you say to me, I'm following Jesus, but I don't believe he's the savior of the world. I don't believe he died for the sins of the world. I don't believe he rose from the grave. I don't believe he ascended into heaven. I don't believe he's coming again. I'm like, I think we believe in different people, right? Okay, that's fair. That's totally fair. We can have a strong debate. Even that I can be generous in though, right? Like I can have a, a conversation about that based upon why I believe, right? Upon the evidence that I believe that I would say, this is what makes me an actual follower of Jesus. Like, I'm not gonna sit around and like say, oh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't take a stand on that. But I am saying, be generous in the other things. Be really, really generous in the other things. Be really, really humble in the other things. The world is watching. And right now, I don't think they're, they're liking what they're seeing. I don't think they feel very welcome. We need to do better. Fight for the gospel, fight for each other because of Jesus. We fight for the gospel, we fight for each other. Paul ends with an example, and I want to end with one as well. An example of someone who is strong, Anesiphorus. So it says this, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Anesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Onesiphorus fought for the gospel and he fought for Paul. Even when Paul was in chains, even when everyone else had turned their back on Paul, Paul says, he lifts this person up. He says, Onesiphorus, that's my guy. He fought for the gospel. He fought for me. Be like him Timothy, it's the 1930s, 1940s. There was a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. His name was Michael King, Pastor Michael King. Um, he pastored a church there, Ebenezer Baptist Church, and, and he, was, he was compelled to, to go and travel in Europe and learn more about the Reformation 
about those who had taken a stand for the gospel and for other people. And he was captivated by a story, a story of a young German monk, a story of a young man who took a stand for the gospel and, and for other Christians. And he was so captivated by that story that he came back from Europe and he said, I, I'm gonna change my name to Martin Luther King. And I'm gonna change my son's name to Martin Luther King Jr. A man who gave himself fully. A man who we remembered this past Monday. A man who fought for the gospel and for others. A man who died because he had a dream that Christians would hold hands that they would sing to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Paul's testimony to us. We thank you for those who have gone before us, who have fought for the right things. And Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you would lead us, even, even as we wrestle with this text and, and wrestle with this teaching, to examine our own hearts in humility. God, I pray that you would convict us of the areas where we need to repent and be more gracious. And I pray, God, that you would also convict us of areas where we need to be more bold in faith. Jesus, I pray for your church, your beautiful, messy bride. I thank you for all the churches that are meeting this morning here in the valley and around the United States, around the world. God, I pray that your name, Jesus, would be lifted high. I thank you that in spite of our differences, God, there are millions proclaiming your name together today. And God, I pray, especially over the pastors in this valley, God, that they would proclaim your name boldly and well, and God, that we would find ways to love and encourage and even challenge one another. Jesus, I pray for your gospel to be proclaimed. And I pray for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.